History is made by the Republic of Ireland. I'm honestly speechless. I mean, we're going to a World Cup, but it's what dreams are made of. For all the best reaction to the girls in green qualifying for the World Cup, subscribe to the OTB Football Podcast stream now. Ryan O'Driscoll on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now then, the URC is uh, continuing apace. We have Connacht Leinster at the sports ground Friday evening, 7.35. We have Ulster, who've been in very good form, obviously, away in uh, South Africa. Lions, Saturday lunchtime. And then Saturday evening in uh, Limerick promises to be interesting for various reasons. Munster against the Bulls, 7.35. A win, you suspect, for many reasons. Imperative for Munster, not least, with Dublin uh, Leinster in round six and then Ulster coming to Limerick in round seven so the games don't get much easier very happy to say Brian O'Driscoll is with us good evening hello good evening Joe so uh, overarching thoughts I haven't really talked to you since the start of the URC Munster have mm. kind of taken centre stage in, in many respects for all the reasons they wouldn't want yeah they have um, yeah it's been a poor start um, I think you know when I was talking to I think it was Jura a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was Nathan. We, we spoke about um, about the need for patience, and all people can really hope for are some green shoots at the moment. Um, with that coaching ticket coming in, with the lateness of it, um, with when you make three or four big wholesale changes the way they have, it's very hard to hit the ground running. So I, I have sympathy for them. Um, but so far, it's difficult to kind of see those green shoots. And I think that's what people are looking for, something to latch on to, some level of positivity, whereas so far, the performances have been poor and little non-negotiables. I just feel as though you know, they really cut up their work rate. Um, I don't know if they're playing with very low confidence on the back of some, you know, some of those early poor results. Um, and now whether they're reading the press or it's 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 getting the better of them, it just feels as though they're they've already gotten themselves into a small bit of a rut. And you're right, this this game this weekend is a massive massive performance. You know, I think game plans and everything go out the window on these weeks where you just have to have that crazy intensity, that you know, play with passion and spirit that has, you know, the the supporters feel as though has been lacking in this team the early part of the season and give them something to get behind and build your confidence that way. And do you know what? The game becomes an awful lot easier when you win those collisions and all of a sudden game plans kick in a little bit more and you're on the front foot and it looks a little bit more seamless where the flip of that, everything has been going badly for them. They've poorly resourced rooks. They haven't won the collision zone. but so many unforced errors. Um, but actually, on top of it all, I think strategy-wise, I, I don't, I don't get some of the things that they're doing at the moment, and maybe they just need to simplify things. And I've, I've a couple of examples of them, you know, at different times in the in the comic game. Um, there was one where there was a scrum on on the right hand side, and, and what happens in an awful lot of sequencing, and before you go to a scrum or line out, you'll call the maybe an 11 play or a 21 play or a 31 play. Now, what that is, it's, it's you know, hit up. And, and on an 11 play, then you come straight back down the blind side. On a 21, you'll hit up and go again and then come blind side and, and, might, and so on. You tend not to get four to one, you know, it'll be three and you'll get to the extremity. You won't be able to want to go any further. 
So what what they did was uh, they did this 11 play where they hit up in midfield and then the front row were dropping back. And by the time they'd finished scrummaging and coming back, the ball had come back out again to them and they were all static, almost in line with Healy. And Kilcoyne, I think it was, hit it. Now, I don't know who's at blame them not working urgently enough or whether it's actually the calling of plays like that that make absolutely no sense. Um, there was a, another one on a midfield scrum where it was a great attacking opportunity. They went 9-12 and Goggins, and not to pinpoint you know, just uh, the individual, but as soon as he got the ball, he took it, right? Straight away, Connacht were like, okay, that's not going anywhere. Double team. One of the best places to attack from. You, you probably have a four on three. If you run straight, draw the man or throw a mismatch, you suck people out of the defensive line. I just thought it was it completely played into the Connacht hands. And to be honest, Connacht weren't brilliant at the weekend. They really weren't. It was a pretty dour game in general. And they were maybe the less bad team. But um, but you you'd be you would be nervous for for Munster that you know if they don't have a big performance and have so Dennis Leaney talked about the performance taking care of the result. Yes, you know, performance first and foremost, and it should look after the victory, but if they don't get it this weekend, they will be hard pushed to get it. The you know in the following week against Leinster in Dublin, who are who are starting to hit their straps. So I'm sure um, the root causes for some of those different things you've talked about are different. Resourcing of rooks is probably very different to that Goggins example you've mentioned. But in broad terms, why do you think these basics are going so badly awry? I think there's a bit of individual responsibility. First of all, I think there's, um, I, I think probably there's a lack of understanding as to what they're trying to do um, with the new messaging that's coming in. I think there's it being lost in communication. If that is what the coaching ticket are looking for, well, they've got to have more urgency. And I do think, in all times of I'm not saying it's crisis yet, but all times of of adversity, the first thing that you go back to are your fundamentals of what can I do a little bit more. And that is, you know, play with more urgency, play with a bit more intensity, play with a little bit of fear as well. Mm. Um, and I just did, felt as though they've been lacking on on all of those fronts, things that you would ordinarily associate with monster teams, even the lesser monster teams. And we are talking about, you know, a monster team that built, you know, a large part of their reputation. OK, this is going back to 78 when they beat the All Blacks, but also that team from the late 90s through the whole, all of the noughties, like that was a phenomenal team and we do not have that team and we got to get over that yeah. that is, you know, the monster side to expect. But if you think about the side thereafter, the early years of, of the last decade, when they weren't the same team, they're still getting into semifinals when maybe the quality within the team wouldn't have suggested they were capable of doing so. So, and that came from, you know, that you're know, giving the, that support, something to cheer on that home park factor, but also individuals really taking huge pride in, in the Jersey. And I'm, I'm not saying that the current crop aren't shown pride in their Jersey, but their performances feel as though a bit like Van Grand's post-match interviews, they, they felt a bit dead you know, it didn't feel as though there was any life in them. And how do you inspire confidence? How do you generate confidence from your support support base? You play it by by big physical carries, by big collisions, by working hard, by really putting yourself out, by stressing yourself. 
because crowds are perceptive. They can pick up on these things and they can see when someone's going the extra mile where you make a double or a triple effort. I just think at the moment, it's all a little bit lackluster. And yeah. so if I was trying to go and fix things, I would expect another 10% out of everyone's intensity and energy being brought to the game, first and foremost. And the knock-on positive effects of that will be significant. Yeah, it's, it's very hard to get a read on what's going on. The two early performances in Wales, I mean, the Dragons one was just abysmal, really. And people on the show kind of put that down to, look, early season and the preseason was interrupted a touch and maybe it's fitness and then in some ways the zebra one was the most grim because you have three pick and jam tries scored after 20 minutes and you can't even get the bonus point at home on a fast track perfect conditions i mean that that was alarm bells and then connacht which like the media conditions were, were about, great the, there again conditions were great perfect conditions like it's a new yeah, yeah, yeah. 4g track yeah and and no no try just three pick and jam tries and all the talk of progressive rugby and and, and nothing no fourth try at all and then Connacht, I mean, the game has been talked about as the desperation derby, you know, in advance. And as you said, things are lackluster from a work rate point of view. I, you know, like, I, find, I would find it hard to believe that they're not desperate to do well. So therefore, I think, it may, is it fitness? Like genuinely, are they as fit as they need to be? Because you hear mumblings about that. Uh, Matt Williams was on the show this week. He's, and uh, look, he echoed some of what you're saying. He said, look, we've got to be realistic here. They don't have the world-class players they used to have. And then Dunico Callahan said this as well early in the season. That second tier, that middle group are nowhere near where they used to be either. And so it's like you've got a million different fires to put out here if you're Graham Rowntree. Emerging Ireland, Ireland haven't helped them as well, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, taking some of those that, those supplementary players away that ordinarily would have, you know, been come in and, and done a better job than, than than those that maybe plugged in last weekend. And that's yeah. the reality of it. I think that gulf between one and three is really significant. Also, you've got Conway out, you've got Haley out, you've got Earls out, you know. Dennis Leamy did, did make the point, we have used 45 players in four games. It wasn't an excuse, like, but it like is true. It, it is a bit of a perfect storm at the yeah. moment with regard to injuries and new coaching staff and low confidence and and, and lack of, you know, intensity. But that for me, and, and I will labour that point, that that is the big thing, that the, the expectation this weekend. You know, other than... Other than Tyg Byrne, it, it, there's there's so little positivity to take from it. You know the set piece, and and sometimes that happens when a you know when a a coach goes from being a fours coach or being forward dominated into a, a head coach role or a director of rugby role, and they take an eye off what they their expertise was. Sometimes it it, it gets away from them, and you know scrum scrum three scrum penalties in the first twenty five minutes, and um, multiple you know you know few lineouts lost. You know, Monster have built their reputation on brilliant set piece, on launch play, on getting them over the advantage line and, and getting themselves into it and then getting the crowd. If you don't win your set piece, how do you expect Home Park Faithful to, to get in behind you? So I think there's a few, you know, pairing things back, I think a couple of yeah. very simple things. Get really accurate at set piece. Get accurate at the rock and fight the fight with intensity and, and with belief that you're going to break tackles. Those three components will add significantly to their game and the rest will actually follow suit. You'd be surprised. Yeah. And and all they need is one catalyst um, performance, you know? Like, it feels like we're probably overly critical of them at the moment considering the changes that have happened. But 
that can turn around very quickly. It's it's yeah. it's it's very transient. Negativity is transient as much as positivity is transient as well. So I think you've got to try and make sure that the next game, knowing what's coming in Dublin the following week, they must put in a big performance. And a and a big performance should take care of the result, although a very good Bulls team. Yeah. And so in terms of their attack, because I guess if you look back over the last couple of years, what we were usually saying at this time of year when they were winning these kinds of early season games was, well, it's all very well, this approach now in the URC, it's not going to work for them in the latter stages of Europe. So this year, they're not even doing those basics and winning these URC games and, and, and you know, not getting credit for it. But uh, the sense was the new coaching ticket, especially with Prendergast there, would play a more expansive brand of rugby that could... I don't know, elevate them beyond uh, their previous ceiling. So are you... Do they have the personnel, Joe, to play that brand? Well, you can, you can tell me. Uh, are you seeing them trying to play that more expansive brand? I, I or am, seeing, I am. Yeah. But I, I, I think I think when you go beyond the, the international players, beyond Pete, beyond Ty Byrne, Archer's good at playing at the line, but there's not many. Like, there really aren't. Like, Dave Kilcoyne looks incredibly uncomfortable on the ball at first receiver. You know, he doesn't want, he's he's predominantly a ball carrier. Um, and so I don't know if this new style necessarily fits him. He tucks and carries well, and he's one of the one of their better ball carriers, don't get me wrong. But if you're trying to get him in a first receiver and being the playmaker of taking the ball aggressively square to the line, eyeballing someone with the option of popping in and out, but then pulling it out the back, that he's not your guy at right. first receiver. Um, and, and, and I think that does come from years of being drilled and I, and I only can say that because I saw Peter Dooley come on for Connacht in the, in the last 20-25 minutes and I wouldn't have said that you know back in my time Do- Peter Dooley was just coming onto the scene he was this great ball player but his ability to be able to draw that first defender sit people down and pull it out the back is just rehearsed it's a, it's a practice skill yeah. over years with Leinster of doing it week, you know, day in day out week in week out and and I see and I think that's why they're one of the best teams at doing it because they've been at it for so long. Whereas when you are bringing in this new style or or this new expectation of your players, you can't expect them to deliver over overnight. You just can't. So in that in that respect, then could there be a degree here of if if Rentree and Prendergast are absolutely wedded to this new progressive style, they might have to be having very tough conversations about I don't know sacrificing the next year to get everyone up to speed. I mean, they'd like. And that, I don't know if that's going to be Actually, accepted. It's just, it's, you know, it's not going to be accepted, is it? Because you can't think, oh, well, you know, the thought of not being in Europe the following year had such a negative knock-on effect to bums on seats, to income. And we see, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit later on, around what's happening with Wasps and the Premiership mm. and the struggles that these clubs are having. Well, you know, the... Uh, the IRFU are not propping up Munster, but having a significant say in 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 their general kind of dealings and and how they're functioning as a business, and that's the reality of it. And and so many teams around the world are are feeling the effects of of the pandemic only now. People think, oh, everyone's back going to games again. Yeah, but it's what about the hole that's left behind? Um, so. It won't be acceptable for them to go. All right, you know, let's let's focus on the next couple of years. We might have to take a bit of pain in the interim. When you're a top European club like Munster are, when you're meant to be in semi-finals and finals year on year, even when you've got you know lesser teams, it's pretty unpalatable to accept you know mediocrity or to see it as 
stepping stones to something better in years to come. You still have to deliver. You still have to get into Europe. You still have to be competing at that level. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be necessarily winning, but I don't think you're going to get away with, oh, well, you know, this is this is a process. And is it possible for, because um, we're talking about this as well, it's like it's a reductive Van Graan ball or it's champagne rugby. Like there's, I presume there's a, there's an effective in between that they could aspire to and get to relatively quickly. No, or, or like if you've got someone at first receiver, who's, uh, that person has to be at first receiver and, and you can't play in between or how, like, how did the, the minutiae well, this? I one? think it's just, I think it's just, it's drills, you know, like, I don't know what the makeup of their, you know, of their preseason was, whether, um, you know, Prendergast and um, when, whether Prendergast and um, and um, and the coaching ticket were able to fully get into exactly what they want to do, or whether there's you know they're trying to kind of create a process between what Van Graan did and build on some of the good things, and then add their tuppence work. Like it, it's very hard to just clean the slate and then go. This is what we're doing now, and the expectation is to go and play that way if teams haven't done it previously. And and if you don't have the players with the skill set to play that that style. I remember a few years ago, Rob Penny tried to do it with, mm. with, with Munster, played the Crusader style, and that was thrown out after a season because it just didn't suit the players that they had. And um, there was nearly and a so riot. At times, what's, what's yeah, and at times, doing on a wing? yeah, at times, <laughs> like, you know that they're capable of it. You know, yeah. some players are because of their handling. Like Coombs in at first receive, he's capable of doing it. Archer's good at it. But there's other guys that just don't have that in them. But then, you know, with Leinster beforehand, you there were guys that you thought, oh, no, we don't want him in at first receive. And then all of a sudden, a year or two or three years later, became brilliant on the line of being able to play all those options. So it is, it's a learned skill, no doubt. But it's it's going to take time, and 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 that is the the big issue for mm. um, the supporters and for the coaching staff and for the players is to you know to think about some of those senior players that are running out of time of win you know the ability to win trophies. Yeah, you know, the here and now is all important. Yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 certainly possible at some point in the future, as you say, the here and now is crucial. Connacht did it though, you know, you see Connacht who've transformed themselves and, and did it under Pat Lamb. Uh, you said they weren't like outstanding themselves on uh, Friday. I guess they were trying to recover from a very difficult start. So um, what kind of ceiling are you seeing for Connacht or where are they in comparison with recent years? I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think, again, a lot of unforced errors, um, a lot of uncertainty. I think obviously so much of what you do is dictated by your 10 um, and the confidence that kind of he exudes and I think in both cases you know the 10s didn't have a good day you know in Healy and, and Carty and, and kind of conversely you then see what is happening when Johnny Sexton plays for Leinster and, and is pulling the strings like it's night and day um, and so it is very difficult if your 10 is is having an off day because they beat themselves up they're they're they are tend to, tend to be high achievers and so they beat themselves up like you know, go in themselves a little bit, whereas you need an outgoing 10, someone that's barking orders, that's dictating play, that's getting them to run the show off them. Um, and if that's not happening because they kind of have gone into themselves a little bit, well, then it has a negative knock-on effect to the overall team performance. Um, so I, I, I don't know with Connacht. I think, you know, they've, they've a, a good bit to go as well. What's the expectation this year? Is it to play European rugby? Of course it is. 
um, will they get there? Um, you know, on, on, on the performance of what we've seen so far this season, I think they will be hard-pressed, but they'll feel as though there's way more in them again. You know, big players like Prendergast are going to come back for them. Um, and, and and one or two other guys that have been away with emerging Ireland. So it, it's it's important for them to get those guys, keep them fit and make sure that um, they just get a little bit of consistency of personnel in there as well and get those units combining together. Carty's first game for months. So we'll, we'll, we'll give them a pass on that one. But, um, but, you know, that runs out very quickly after two, three games. It does. And I, I suppose the other point that's become very apparent over the last number of weeks is that this is now definitely a more competitive league the South African sides have settled and we saw that at the RDS we're seeing that in other games so uh, the URC organisers have been vindicated in that sense they have they have you know we're very lucky to have South African teams now that's the reality of it Um, because um, that's driven the competitiveness now with this new system seeding system of you know not qualifying for Europe automatically depending on where you are finish as a you know provincial team within that overall URC like that stuff is really important to the, the growth of the league in itself and having South African teams now coming into European competition and and showing what they're capable of you know getting to a, an all South African final last year um you know, the Bulls having to do it the hard way, coming to, to Dublin to win a semi-final. That stuff is great for the league. You know, you don't want, you know, I, I take my Leinster hat off. You don't want Leinster winning it every year. You just don't. You want yeah. other teams, you know, driving um, high standards and making sure that, you know, teams come through and hopefully Ulster are beginning to show that, starting to emerge and made some really great signings in over the last couple of weeks as well. So I think that bodes well for their future development. But, yeah, we are very lucky. In t- at times, it, it feels like a, a, a second-team league. And now, with the South African teams coming in, I don't think you're, many teams are going to have the luxury of playing their second team very often. Brian O'Driscoll. On Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. So Leinster Sharks then has been um, kind of widely acclaimed and there were 18,000 at the RDS and uh, there were so many tries. Like were these all, were, in the main, were these very good high quality tries as opposed to bad defending? Like yeah. can you, you can yeah, feel pretty I good about this so. game. Yeah. yeah, I do. I do. I thought it was a great game. I didn't see it live and I saw it retrospectively. So when I mean, you see high score line like that yeah. as a result and then you go back and watch it, you do watch it slightly differently. But I was really impressed with the with the quality. Um you know, from both teams, some of the counter-attacking tries from the Sharks were outstanding. And um, the, you know, the try they scored in the first half offset play was really Leinster-esque. Um, just the lines of running, what they were trying to achieve, how they manipulated the defence, how they created uncertainty. I, I just thought, you know, I haven't seen many teams being able to create chances against Leinster as well as Leinster have done in recent years. And I was super impressed with them. And you know, any time that Leinster are going to, was it 34 points or something? To, you know, Leinster don't concede that very often. Mm. It just shows the calibre of the of the attack. But it wasn't just the bludgeon that you sometimes associate with these South African teams. It was high skill levels, really good individual scores. The, the winger, his name escapes me, but he had an, an outstanding game. Yeah. Um, you know, the footwork he showed once or twice, not for just for his own score, but in creating two. Oh, it was lovely to see. It really was. It was a proper game of rugby. And, physical and loads of niggle in it as well and sex sex though was kind of losing his head and it's what you want yeah, you want passion right it's about it's about 
it mattering, you know, about proving points and 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 delivering and and you know not just waiting for Europe to roll around. You want to care, and as supporters, you want to care. And I thought it was great to see from everyone's perspective. Those games are are fab. Mm. And I mean, it's been touched on the show already this week, but you do kind of keep a closer eye on Sexton given his age after any kind of layoff and you, you don't want a player that age to go off a cliff. I mean, I think he's still climbing, potentially. <laughs> I, honestly, uh, he, the mind boggles at times. He really is. He's just, he just sees it so, so well. And people give out to me for waxing lyric about him again, but I, I don't care. He's just, he's just one of the best at... Picking, picking that pass at the line, mm. leaving it late, taking the shot and throwing the pass. And we saw it multiple times, even when, when they didn't score Jimmy O'Brien, when he, when he butchered the two-on-one. Like, that was really magnificent to suck in both Werner Koch and the outside defender, you know, having Richard run that short line because he held it so long. So many other tens, particularly of his age, play, um, you know, play a little bit deeper, play sure. a little bit self-preservation, not him. He's right on the line and he's he's now finding a happy medium. He does encourage the hits, but at least he throws the pass. He doesn't accelerate into them. He throws the pass and then goes with the collision. So it's taken some of the impact away. But he he does feel as though he's getting better. And and I, I have to say I'd, say, I'd say that about Dan Bigger as well. I think Dan Bigger has gotten a, become a better player in his 30s as well, where, again, he's not about self-preservation. He's not. He's happy to take it on the line, throw those long passes right on the line, be brave, um, and and again, they're, they're, they kind of seem very similar in personality, but also, I think, in their growth in the last few years. Mm. Do all the great 10 see it as well as Sexton sees it? Is that a common thing or they have different strengths? No, no. I think I think he's at the very high end. I think Farrell sees it well. I think, I, I think Sexton, this isn't just bias. I do think he sees it as well as anyone I've, I've come across. Yeah. Um, he mightn't be the same athlete as some of the other tens, you know, might not have the same wheels. Um, but his ability to actually see and read play, I think, is nearly unparalleled in what I've come across. Yeah. I've seen obviously I've never played with Dan Carter. I've I've watched him and he, you know he's a special player. And he was able to do some magical things, but he also had phenomenal platforms. Um so you know I I think obviously from from a decision making point of view, I think He's very high end as well, but I don't think there's too many others that have the ability to take it as aggressively and pick one of three options like he has. I really don't. Mm. Um, and that isn't just a, a, a bias, you know, a friend or an ex-colleague bias. I genuinely don't see it. And, I, and I've wanted to see it in other people, you know, coming through in Ireland and, and the problems, they're not even close. Yeah. Not even close. Ireland, Ireland, it, it's, a, it's a real concern having him as important as he is at 37 years of age. It, it is. Yeah, I know. Sleepless nights ahead for Andy Farrell. I there think. are, there are, there are. But it's but, exciting, right? <laughs> no. Um, and, and just on Leinster then, I so you've seen them start the season the way they've started the season and Jenkins has come in and people have said, well, look, that's an extra bit of beef which is going to help in the latter stages of Europe. Is there anything else like Leinster need to be very mindful of based on how they've been beaten in Europe in the last couple of years that you'd be kind of keeping an eye out for over the next few months or or, or is there just a degree of oh look yeah they were beaten on the day but it's it's mostly pretty damn good like there's not much they can aspire to approve upon yeah I think the latter you know mm-hmm. that 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 point um 
they got beaten in with 20 seconds to go in the Champions Cup final, having not played well against a team that played really well. Um, yes, they got out-muscled by a really great Saracens team a few years ago. La Rochelle, likewise, in the semi-final. These, these, there's nothing. There's really nothing between the teams. You could say that they've lacked a bit of a bit of cloud, a bit of muscle, and maybe Jenkins is that guy. You know, is he up in the Brad Thorne, Rocky Elson, Nathan Hines category? I, I don't think so. But, um, but you know, you you do need. You, you need a bit of good fortune in those games too, and that hasn't gone Lencer's way in, in in a few games. And when you know when it becomes a consistent team, I think you can read into it too much. Um, I, they were the best team in Europe up to the final by a country mile, and then they got beaten by a team who just played better on the day. And it seems like such a shame that that Lencer team don't have a Champions Cup because it's the best season I've seen by a team up until a final. But no trophy at the end, no no URC either, as well as Europe. Like no one will remember it. But that was some really phenomenal rugby they played. I, I can't remember a club team playing as consistently well. Certainly not in the northern hemisphere for a long, long time. Okay, um, just some other points which you've kind of cropped up in the last couple of weeks to get your uh, thoughts on. We'll come to the financial situation in the Premiership in a moment. Uh, the other story, and, and in some respects it's hard to know what to say at this stage, but it's worth noting uh, with you anyway. There was that uh, study which was like front page news everywhere, a study of a group of former Scottish international players. And the very frightening headline is that these players were 15 times more likely to develop motor neuron disease against the general population. It was in the uh, Journal of Neurology, Neurosurgery and Psychiatry. And uh, position on the pitch, interestingly, had no impact and uh, I'm sure a lot of people thought of Dottie Weir straight away. And it was Willie Stewart in the University of Glasgow who's um, been at the forefront of several of these studies. They took 412 uh, male Scottish former internationals versus 1,200 in the general population. And uh, Stewart, the uh, doctor, said it was a big surprise. And in effect, the conclusion of the study was uh, this finding requires immediate research and attention ASAP, like it was almost sounding the klaxon. We need to find out why this is happening exactly. So uh, Willie Stewart said, I'm genuinely concerned what's happening in the modern game. And if in 20 years time we repeat this study, I suspect we would see something even more concerning. So these kind of lines are frightening. And then there was the Steve Thompson documentary on BBC. I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but it was. I, haven't, kind of, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen is, it yet, but I, have, is, I do uh, have, it, have it recorded. Recorded, yeah. yeah. And, and look, you would have played against them, so you'd be particularly interested. It's as devastating and heartbreaking as you would imagine yeah. you know so uh that that um that aspect uh running parallel with rugby is 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 uh very much alive and well and we've seen the high court proceedings as well so that has been lurking as much as ever over the last couple of weeks yeah i've got four percent on my battery i, I wish i had one percent and that i was going to get cut off in the middle of this answer because um because yeah it is um it, it was difficult reading. It really was. 15 times, I think, is, is modern neuron disease not the one that everyone's petrified, not rugby specific, but the world. Yeah. And the one that you're not going to recover from. So to see that 15 times was, um, I'd say, it gave a lot of people a jolt. Um, and that's the one, whatever about dementia, two and a half times, 15 times more likely than modern neuron disease. Um, I, I think it's one of those having played, having not been able 
go and change anything that if I went and, and you know, thought late at night about it, it's certainly not serving any purpose for me. I think you say your prayers, talk to whatever God you um, believe in and um, and you just try and continue going and, um, and keeping sharp, um, you know, and, and get on with, with life. And I think whatever hand you're dealt, you have to deal with it, you know, um, you know, you look at the rugby players that have suffered with motor neuron disease. It's it's such a horrible, debilitating disease that um, must be so awful for parents or or, or family mm. um, or or you know loved ones to see. So, I, I I don't really have a point to make at the end of it, other than I, I was, I was kind of shaken by it. Um, as much as I'm sure most people were, and I saw the world rugby said that we need to go and do more testing and look into this as a holding statement. Well, they really do on the back of that sort of information coming through from uh, someone like Willie Stewart, who who is highly respected. Uh, before you do go, then we'll talk, we'll come back to that subject. I suspect uh, inevitably, uh, you're covering a lot of Premiership at the moment with BT Sport. Uh, the Wasps news has followed the Worcester news. This is, um, I mean, Wasps are a big name on the landscape, so this um, this is looking incredibly serious. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's 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 really it's really serious. Unfortunately, the um, you know obviously we saw Worcester go last week, and we. You know, now had the news that that was to enter into administration, and um, and the talk is that there are other teams teetering on the brink as well. And um, so it's not just you know two and gone. And um, it you know there's a I'm not saying it's a house of cards you know ready to fall, but there are other clubs definitely in in a very very difficult predicament. I talked about you know the the. Everyone thinks that if you survive through COVID, well, then you're fine. It's not. It's the ramifications that are being felt now, and um, and sometimes in 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 some cases, you know, the business model was struggling at the best of times, and it just the COVID exacerbated something that was already in in difficulty. Um, you know, I, I suppose first of all, you got to think about the livelihoods of those that are, you know, that are no longer playing for the club, be it Worcester or or now um, in Wasps, you know whatever about the players that are the very high-end players, international players that will get picked up elsewhere, but those that were team players, but now all of a sudden you have to go and try and find a club somewhere else that now cease to be paid. And um, it's it's definitely a worrying trend within the game. I think we've seen the financial woes you know, in Australia, in um, South Africa, even within Ireland. You know, I think that CBC money where where that was hoped to go initially, you know, ended up plugging holes. Um, but I, I read Owen Slot today, you know, and, and he made a very good point on, on the in the Times over here in, in the UK, and, and he said, "Where have CBC been? You know, they've they've literally gone to ground. There's, you know, is is it not in their best interest to try and help prop these teams up? Mm. You know, it's not in the bigger scheme of of their level of investment. You know, it's not." Huge sums are needed from a working capital point of view, but yeah, I don't think there's even been a, a statement uh, read out around it. So it's kind of it, the mind boggles a small bit as to where we're at and where we're potentially going to go on this. I just hope that teams are able to find their way through. The, the product at the moment in the Premiership is is outstanding. The games are 
like Leinster um, Sharks, you know, they're 70, 80 point thrillers. Mm. And so it, it, they've, they've got a great product, but it's just a matter of trying to um, keep the lights on at times in certain clubs. And um, yeah, you'd, you'd fear that there might be more bad news coming down the line. Mm, okay we'll watch that space our rugby coverage and off the ball with thanks to Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us uh, not the cheeriest end uh, but your uh, your battery survives so thanks very much for the time appreciate it we'll talk to you soon good man thanks Joe talk to you Brian O'Driscoll on off the ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us